Welcome back on today's episode of Connect Through Beauty. We have Coach Chris Barron, and this is such a good talk. Oh my goodness, I feel like we touch on so many different topics, and I just absolutely enjoyed every moment of it. So I know that you guys are going to love it. Definitely listen in and enjoy, and he has a little surprise at the end. So listen in. Um, you know, I've spent the last, now it's been for me, uh, what has it been now? Probably 50, I'm guessing 55 years in the business, 50 ish. Mm. Yeah. About 55 years in the business. And I've been on the road teaching for, well, I would say I was teaching, I was on the road doing stuff for about, um, I guess about 45 years now, but I've really only been teaching for about the last, um, I'm going to say the last 30, 35, because before I was, I just more, it was just about being like a stand-up comic. I figured that I, I couldn't teach. So I figured I'd make people laugh and I could keep them in the room. Uh, But it was just some, through some major things that happened in my life that, that really shifted my brain um, to, and through my teachers, because I always believe if, if you, if you're not learning, you don't have a chance, you shouldn't be standing in front of anybody. Mm-hmm. But the uh, my teachers, I, I'll never forget being uh, one of my teachers, Blair Singer, part of the Rich Dad Poor Dad group, and he was teaching on facilitation. And I remember being terrified of this class because obviously we were going to have to present in it. And and uh, but it was just the way he came across. And I remember him saying specifically that it's it's not what you teach, but how you teach it. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of turned my quest around. So for me, I it was turning me from becoming a, you know, a presenter on stage of information to really learning how to teach because there's such a difference between mandatory learning and adult learning. Like mandatory learning is things that we learn in school uh, about subjects we have to learn. We have mm-hmm. no choice on them, and we. You know, they pick the hours, they tell us what we have to do, and then it's nothing but grade and did you pass. Mm. And and that's not what adult learning is. And unfortunately, what happens, I find so many people that are in their industry that are teaching, teach the way they taught or teach the way that they were learning how to teach in school, the way their teachers taught them, which mm. is more about tell, 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 tell. So it's stand in front of an audience and pontificate everything. I have no idea what that word means. But <laughs> in there just because it makes me sound really intelligent I love it. <laughs> uh, but I, it was just about tell 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 rather than you know it, it turning something into experiential learning because adult learning is more about you know once we're out of school taking the things that we have to take and learning the subjects that we have to learn when we get out it's more about learning what we want to learn in subjects that we want to learn in a time frame that we want to learn it in so that that really changed my life and and I became on a quest of just you know evolving into uh, another profession which was teaching and and because so many people think that it's teaching and teaching and hairdressing go hand in hand they don't they're both completely different professions mm. it's just that I get to teach and all so many people I know get to teach on the things that they love to teach and love to do mm. so that that's where my quest started so it became and it started the, the the it started roughly about I'm guessing twelve to fourteen years ago when my my son is uh, well he was in voice acting at the time and starting in his directing 
career. He is now that we have a production company as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I just said, Hey, listen, um, I'm teaching haircutting and you know how to make videos. Let's make videos. So we kind of stumbled our way through that and we've kept evolving and evolving. And, and finally we turned in, found that we've been turning into an education company and, and there's so much stuff that's out there, but the more I looked, um, Ashley, the more that I saw that there's so little that's out there to train mm-hmm. associates now. And I'll just as, as a, you know, pick the word, whether it's associate or, or your apprentice or the new hire or whatever the word that you want to call that new person in the salon, because there's, there's a couple things that have to happen, you know, is, is I know people that hire from salon to salon. And I, I've been, I've been to Lords and ladies before, and I know that you guys have a great training program there and, and that's wonderful. And so many salons don't, or they, they don't either a, they don't know how to start an associate training program. B don't have the content three don't, don't know how to put it together. So even if, even if people don't use mine, uh, all what I say to people is if you just think of, of pack, and this is kind of the, with our accelerated associate training, we started to keep on it on this kind of, of path, you know, or pack as we call it, you know, the, 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 the P stands for what is the path that you're going to take each one of your people on. In other words, if I get a new hire that started off and I might be hiring somebody brand new out of school and some people choose to try to start that way. And that's all the only way they hire is right out of school. They train in their systems and it's really critical that you can get them to a point where uh, they're at the minimum salon standard. And that's one of the things we talk about in there all the time is what's the minimum salon standard for every one of the disciplines that you do so that we can get the associate new hire apprentice, whoever that, you know, somebody that has 20 years of experience in another salon, what do we do to make sure we assess and make sure that they're at that minimum salon standard above before we actually get them doing that individual service behind the chair. So path Mm. for path is the first thing. Accountability is the second for everything. To me, accountability goes from, it's a two way street. If you have educators, within the organization, then they have to be accountable to the student, meaning, am I prepared? What's my, the routine that I'm doing? What am I going to be responsible for, for teaching today? What's a way that I'm going to be teaching it that's, that is experiential so that, that they walk away getting it and they don't feel intimidated and can be, have their questions answered. And from, from the learner's perspective, it's accountable because they have to be prepared. Uh, I always say that you know, you, you have to, you might have to watch something in advance, learn something in advance. So it's yeah. kind of hybrid learning where, mm-hmm. listen, if I, you're getting me on a tirade here. So if you want to tell I'm any, loving this. At no, any time, just tell Chris, this. shut up. With somebody this last weekend, I was at the exchange and, and they were just talking about our business about, uh, and somehow we were talking money and I just went, what amazing bloody business that we're in because, mm. You know, people will come up to me all the time. And they'll say, how much money can I make? Mm. I'll, I'll, and I have a very direct answer that you'll, you, you will make exactly what you deserve. Mm. You'll make exactly what you deserve. I know, I know six figure inners and I know people that have a hard time paying the rent. 
And, and the reality is, is what are you putting in? And that's where the accountability comes in is, are you just sitting back? You got out of school, you got your basic training and, you know, yes, you got good training in school. And I think uh, schools get, um, yes, they have to, uh, the government helps us that we have to tell us they have to learn X amount. They have to do this mm-hmm. and they have to pass a chat and pass a, uh, a, a test. And, Mm-hmm. And fortunately and unfortunately, that's part of an adult. Uh, that's part of mandatory learning where it's um, you have to meet other people's criteria on what you need to do rather than when you get out. So but they've got to go through that once they get out. If you want to specialize, be a generalist or whatever, you've got to make sure that you're assessed. You know, I always believe that just like um, like if if I'm a part of pick your favorite basketball, baseball team uh, is if I'm a coach and I'm a scout as an owner would be um, or a team leader, I would say, well, I'm going to put out scouts. I want to see who the people are and then they'll have a training. And so people will come in to their camp and then they'll assess them. They'll say, Mm -hmm. what's their skill sets like? Well, how do they fit with the team? And then once they've got that down, then they bring them in. That's once they have assessed them in the new session, and to see where they're at now they bring in, they don't, they don't automatically put them. They don't take out their first string and put them in right away. They go on a training program for them. So they get them up to up from a, you know, a third string to a second string and obviously up to the seniors and first strings. What is the train, the path that you're giving them for that training in the meantime, and what's the accountability of people in order to get up to there. And, and that's where I, and that's where you bring the parallel of, it, in sports, you assess and you improve based on your assess, your assessment and and you have to be responsible for it. In a salon, if people get uh, get get in, you you assess, you're always setting your whole team up that it's incredible to be coached. And when people get you can take away the risk of being judged, then people will want to learn more and want to get to learn faster. They'll want to they'll want to appreciate themselves and their skills by learning the taste that's around them. And that's one. I think it's one thing to have a skill. It's another thing to like like putty to mold taste in with that. Mm -hmm. The team taste, the cultural taste that your salon has. Yeah. And, And that will that really helps to move people forward. And then. Once that happens in each one of those areas, that's where we, that's where you can get them on the floor as quickly as possible. That, mm-hmm. And that's one thing we say in, in our training program is that it's, you know, there, there's an old system that we had years back and, and it's part, it's where I came from. It's where uh, a lot of the training uh, when I was uh, in, in Canada training people all the time, we would have apprenticeship programs. You'd come in, you'd spend six months, a year, sometimes 18 months before you got on the floor. Sure. I don't believe that works anymore. I, I, I think that if you take a look at the new mentality, yeah. the new mindset of people that are coming into our business, we have to accommodate them, you right. know, is they, they don't want to sit there uh, handing folding towels for six, for, for six months, 18 no. months before they can actually start to earn a living. However, if we can assess them and if we can train them on one skill set at a time, or, you know, just say, look, don't try to teach me everything. Teach me, you know, how do I do the best damn shampoo that there is out there? 
Mm. And then I can be contributing immediately to the salon's financial situation. You know, and as I'm learning that and I become a shampooologist and I, I, I get my, sh- my shampoo skills up to that point where I'm actually surpassing all the people that are of the seniors, then I'm also learning how do I, you know, how am I applying a, um, a, a retouch? And, mm-hmm. and so that my retouch ability manages or is equal to or surpasses what the staff that I'm helping with. And now I can take over and I can handle some of the retouches that are happening and then eventually training them. So now that's the next thing that you'll allow them to do. So once they're past their assessment in that, now you, you, you know, let's say Ashley, senior stylist, she has a client coming in. And when uh, uh, Becky Sue comes in for her, um, her, you can tell my era from the things. <laughs> I love when, it. When she comes in for her, uh, her color application, you know that, uh, your apprentice is as skilled as you are in apply in applying that um, that retouch refresh, and you can get them to do it while you go on to a higher ticket item and so on, and you slowly increase their skills so they have more time they spend behind the chair, supporting it first and then eventually taking on clientele, and that way they feel the progression they feel like they're a part of the team they feel like they're contributing, and now they're they're they automatically want to. Um, get behind the chair and now they earn up they earn a place mm-hmm. and earn a chair to work in as well does that, does that make sense it does it, it absolutely does and it sounds um it sounds like a lot of mentoring is going on which is really amazing and yeah. I feel I feel like this generation not even generation I just feel like this time period that we're in right now I keep I keep saying generation but I don't mean to because I think that it's not an age thing um I just think that the time period that we're in right now people want to be they want to belong and mm-hmm. how, how can they be a be um belong and be a part of everything and that's kind of what we've been talking about in our company a lot and you know how can we get them more involved and get yeah. Them quickly yeah you know i think that you hit on a really interesting word there and that's mentorship yeah you know and i think you know and it's i think it's a misaligned word uh so it, I, just as i beg my time to just clarify i think that what people need is coaches yeah and see, coaches are appointed, mentors are chosen. So sure. you can't go up to somebody and say, here's your mentor. Because you say, well, quite frankly, I don't even like the person. Sure. But sure. You see, I don't have to like my coach, but I can, I can learn from my coach because they, sure. from their, their, from what their experience is and how they help me along. Right. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you don't like, <laughs> most people don't like their coach. You usually do. But the reality is, is that you're, you coach people as you're appointed to be their coach. I'm, you know, that's why I go by the name of coach Chris Barron, because I love it. in, in my, in my experience that people come, they pay for a class. So you're picking a, uh, a, a person to help to teach you. However, that person, if they change your life and they help you grow, not only skill set, mm-hmm. but personally and, and, uh, and professionally, then that person later on, you can say, who's my mentor? And you'll say, my mentor was X, Y, Z, because they helped to change my life. 
Mm, you know, yeah, so so good. to that point, and that's why I believe in in our system that we have. You know, and the and here's the reason why this whole thing came about. Uh, Ashley is we first started off and I, I, we put a DVD program together and most people yeah. are going, what's a DVD? Oh, uh, I know. all about Yeah. That. But the, the reality is nobody has a DVD player anymore. <laughs> so we knew that number one is that uh, we had to change something to make it more web-based. Number one, number two was that when we, we looked at people that they said to me, Chris, I would love for you to be the one to train my people. And quite frankly, as I said to people, firstly, number one, you can't afford for me to come in every week and do that personally. However, that what you can do is we can either do it with you or we can do it for you. Mm. So, and that's where we came up with this associate. And that's kind of the long roundabout story about how the associate program came to fruition was because people were requesting, requesting it. They might've had something, but they, they, they loved the systems that they saw that we put in place with our design, with how we trained the people and they wanted something that they could fit that together. So we put that all into packages that we can help people get their associates on the floor as quickly as possible and slowly integrate them uh, into a, uh, a a functional place within the culture of the salon. And that's how that came to be. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, I, I learned cut and no why for when I was behind the chair. Yeah. I loved, I loved that system. I loved everything about it. Um, and that's also when I became a Redkin artist too, a long time ago, that was, yeah. this is a long time ago. And I love that. And that's honestly, like, that's when I, my passion really ignited for, um, for really what I do now. So I recruit for the, for the company now. And I feel like everything you do in your life, it is a building block on this journey, you, you know, sometimes you have a path and you have this, this is where I want to go and this is where I want to be. And sometimes that path kind of deviates and you get onto another, another road and it's like, oh, wow, I'm here. I am doing this, but everything I've done in my, in my life in the past has got me to this point yeah, and yeah. built me to be here. So, yeah. And you know, Ashley, I love where you're going with that. And I'm going to suggest another word is evolve. Oh, yeah, is because that's what what people do. I find that so many people that stagnate. I heard a great expression the other day uh, that um, that uh, before you before um, before you can get into a rut, the rut starts off as a path. And, Mm. And I think that sometimes people forget to step off the path, you know, so like to take, for instance, what you did, you had the courage to to, to um, and work behind the chair, is specialized behind the chair, become an expert behind the chair in a certain area. And it turns, and pardon some of my, pardon my language for people out there, but right now, but it takes a certain set of cojones right now to <laughs> say, look, at, I'm going to set myself up now by, I'm going to stand in front of a whole bunch of people teaching mm. and hoping that they like me, hoping that my information is going to be good. Does, does that make sense? It does. So you, you have to, people have to think about how you evolve and, and that takes a lot of risk 
And that risk is what you gets your reward once you start to shift off that path. In other words, take take a step out of that path that you're normally going on. Say, what other things do I love to do? And while you're on the path, just jump off of the path every once in a while and then mm-hmm. come back in. You won't turn it into a rut, but then all of a sudden you'll find other things that you love to do. You know, I started off in our business and I was I was really the design guy. You know, I went to Sassoon's. I started off and, and this was, I'm going to say, as I almost embarrassed to say that this is back in the early seventies. Uh, but I, I, I was a soon freak. So I went to every class I could. And then just by, by the mere fact that I've, um, I've sort of fluked into everything into my life. I, I always say I've failed my way to the top mm. and, and everything has just sort of happened by chance. I, you know, things just happened. And I, I took on that pass. They, they saw, I took a course, they offered me a, they said, hey, do you want to come and teach a class? So I taught classes, messed them up, screwed them up, had people totally dissatisfied with my classes. But the reality is you have to go through that while you're learning how to teach so that you can get to the other side. And that's what I admire about what you've been doing. You had the courage to evolve and become an educator and now and in your position now taking on to going on to podcasting, doing all of those things that our industry does um, uh, that does um, uh, offer. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and and I think to I think people, you know, what I, I I love where this is going because I think if you can keep an open mind, and I know that sounds really really simple, um, but what but really playing off of what you just said is is kind of you have fallen into these things, but I think that you've kept an open mind into um, evolving into the next, the next or a different path or, you know, something maybe that you weren't thinking of, but okay, I'm, my mind is open and I'm not, I don't have my blinders on. I have an, um, an, an open mind about doing another, another thing, another challenge, another, something or other at, in my career. And, and it's not just my, my whole thing is, it's not just about standing behind the chair. I mean, we, this whole industry is about changing lives, um, really changing people's lives. And it's not just cutting hair, coloring hair. It's, you can own a salon, you can be a salon manager, you can be a coach, a mentor, an educator, you know, all of these things. And everyone has a story to tell. And I love yeah. that. You know, I, I love it, um, Ashley, you know, and I, you, just what you're saying here reminded me of, as you evolve, through these, some of these stages, and you might stay in one area for a couple of few years. You, some people might just stay there forever. I know mm-hmm. I have friends in our, in, in our business who are really high up in the business and all of they focused on one thing, uh, you know, and that is, it is just, I, I have friends that just say, I'm just focusing on being an expert in cutting hair above the shoulders. So if your hair is longer than your shoulders, you know, you picked the wrong person, go see somebody else. But mm-hmm. all they focus on is that. And they've risen to the top of their game. And I also, uh, like for myself, I, I, you know, I am not a risk junkie when it comes to jumping out of planes and doing those, those kind of things. My <laughs> wife and my wife has jumped out of a plane. My, my son is, a, is an adrenaline junkie. He'll do anything, <laughs> stuff that makes my butt pucker, I, you know, that he yeah. will do that I will not. But what I found that where I am a risk junkie is uh, 
is in my area that I know and love that in the hairdressing industry mm-hmm. is to put yourself out there and challenge yourself. Like for instance, mm-hmm. um, uh, give you another example of just how I've fallen into things. So most of the things that I've gotten in my life, I've just fallen into on, not necessarily on purpose, not necessarily on design, but because of the path that I chose and how I chose to, 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 uh, step off of that path. For, give you an example. And this one was just recent. I told you how I started off as a design guy, mm-hmm. went to the perm guy, became an avant-garde guy, went back to design guy, all of those labels that I had along the way. Um, yeah. But along the way, and I think it started in the 80s where um, I really got interested in just documenting my work um, mm-hmm. by doing photo shoots uh, for the salon. Mm-hmm. And then I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick and pick a year here. Bear with me. I don't think it was the right, it could be, it may or might not be the right year, but I think it was 88 or 89. Uh, they first started uh, the Canadian hairdressing awards and actually the, uh, the Canadian hairdressing awards started actually, uh, you know, it was just slightly after the British hairdressing awards started theirs. And just before mm-hmm. Redken and Modern Salon started the North American Hairdressing Awards. Mm. And because I had that, uh, I'd just been shooting and I had no idea. I had no mentor, no coach. I just wanted to, pardon my expression, I just wanted to cut some cool ass hair and I I wanted to, I want to take pictures of it. Didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what a collection was like right now. If I showed you the pictures that, and that year I just was fortunate enough to win the Canadian hairdressing awards with, but I was as shocked as everybody when I won. And the reality was, is um, um, if I would show you the pictures now, I mean, they wouldn't even come near, they wouldn't even make the first cut of any of the photographic uh, awards that are out there right now. But what, what that did is it sparked me to want to learn more about that. And right. so just to show you how all of the things that you, you can, you're just taking a risk with can turn into gold later is even this last week, because of all the experience and now whatever that's been like 30, 40 years of, of working on a set in, in photography, working on a set for fashion week, working on a set to, to uh, help, you know, ma- major manufacturers with doing uh, some of their photo work, you, you, you develop a skill for it. Now you can either keep the skill to yourself or other people recognize. And this is again, another thing I fell into where mm-hmm. people recognized that myself and other people had some skill in doing this. And then we started a class at the exchange called wigs, wefts and pieces. And we've been for the last, what that's, uh, we started in 2018 and uh, we just got finished with this last week where we have a group of people, very small, select group of people that we allow in, not, not a allow, but the ones that are registered. And then we cut it off because we want to make sure we have enough. We give the, the, but we show them how to make wigs for um, whether you do it for business, whether you're doing it for a photograph, because the reality is nowadays you can't get models that are professional that you need in order to do uh, world-class work. You can't get them to color the hair. They make their living by having ordinary hair. So if, but when you can learn how to make wigs or do how make a wig, so you're just doing a full wig or a specific wig for a photo shoot. It's something that I've fallen into. And here's the reality. You get paid for it. 
Mm. You know, all of those things that you've invested your time and your money for, you end up, you end up getting paid way more for because you're passing on that skill. Sure. Oh, I love that. Um, gosh, I would love to love to see that class. Oh, <laughs> that- you, it's 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 a must see because, I mean, quite frankly, it's the easiest gig I've ever done because we show a little bit of work and then they do it and we coach people on it. But it's so teaching cool. people how to do things that they don't know how to do. And there isn't a class out there that shows people how to do it. Sure. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So, so cool. Um, okay. So I have a fun question for you. Hmm. Um, so tell me what's been like your, your most favorite thing that you've ever, ever done in, in your career. You can, you don't have to have just one, hmm. but like, what's just been like that one time that you were like, this is. I am on cloud nine right now. Oh, well, I'll tell you the, the one that comes to mind, there's been a few, but the one that comes to my brain right now is, uh, have you ever heard of uh, the Australian hair expo? No, I have not. It's, it's, uh, it's, I believe it's at the beginning of June. Uh, It's right around the same time as the premier show here. It's not Australia. And um, if, if you want to really go and see where, Pardon my language, but shit hot hairdressers. Oh. Just go to go to Australia and watch their work. One of my very best friends. I feel like we were like you know brothers from a different mother. My, he's a good oh. friend of mine by the name of Benny Tognini out of Australia, and in my mind, he ranks up there with Trevor Sorby, Anthony Muscolo, mm. uh, all of the other like of the I would say the top five. 10 people in the world of being the most creative people in the hairdressing industry. And, um, and uh, I've, I've been out to Australia a number of times mm. and I've, I've done some classes on particularly like with principle based design and so on stuff that was very, um, how would you say easy to teach? It wasn't about having going out and be showing, well, my I'm super creative, et cetera. And um, this was a number, I'm guessing about five, six years back, if not more, it's that time has flown, but they invited me to do the main stage and the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the, it is to the, do the their grand opening. Mm-hmm. And I was scared to death mm. of doing that because I had heard Benny was telling me that, you know, here, what happened at the, you know, in probably in the eighties when they, when all the Australian hairdressers were going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on creativity (laughs) and they, they put together hair expo and they invited um, Sassoon's to come over. And at that time, Sassoon's sent their B or C team over thinking, Oh, they're just a bunch of Aussies, you know, with all this, like with all those criminals that we sent over there. And, um, and they got booed off the stage. And uh, I think, well, obviously, since then, you know, you know, Sassoon's, who I hold very dear and very high regard, obviously have been kicking, kicking a major took us ever since then. And they're always well, super well received. But when I figured if if that team is going to get booed in their grand opening, what's going to happen to me? And you can't believe how that fear will push you to do your, so I was pulling every trick thing that I knew that was, mm. you know, et cetera. And um, so to the, one of, as you say, that, that time, 
So still even getting on stage, scared to death. We, we even, we had, uh, we had a graffiti artist that came in. We went to a studio and we did a hair wall where we made a hair mat that was oh, full cool. length of a wall. We had a graffiti artist paint it and that was the backdrop. And then we had him tear off. We had put another pieces over top of it. And then he did the, did the, um, the artwork over top of it again. And when we stepped on stage, uh, myself and um, um, and another gentleman, we we took we tore these pieces off the wall and made hair pieces out of them on mm. the pieces, and we just got it was we really at the end of it, we uh, we got a standing ovation, and and my buddy Benny came up to me, and he said, "Do you realize there's only two or three people that have ever got a standing ovation here before, and you're one of them?" So. Uh, you know, whatever happened that when you say, what was one of the best things that happened in my career? And, you know, if you had to say, well, wow, if I could just hang it up right now and yeah. end on this note, that would be really, really cool. And, and I'd have to say that was the one right there. That, that sounds absolutely amazing. Oh, my gosh. I can you telling the story. I can like feel myself there. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, you know, it's 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 also humbling because when you get on a stage like that and you see your hair heroes in the audience mm. and engaged, it, it's really a, it's really a special Special oh. note. I can tell you all the times when I've bombed on stage. I don't want everybody oh. to think that every time I go out there, I get one of those because there is, you have to set yourself up time that, you know, not everybody is going to like your work, you know? Sure. It's so it's, uh, it, it's, it, it is amazing industry, but you also have to have a pretty, pretty strong skin when you, a thick skin when you get onto it as well. Sure. Absolutely. You do. Um, Oh, I, lo I love that. So tell me, like, what advice would you give someone that's, you know, when you're when you're starting out, you get you're not very selective at first on who who sits in your chair. Right. So you're building a clientele. You're taking absolutely anyone that you can take. And so what would be your advice to to handle the tough times, to handle the ones that like maybe just don't have that love for you that maybe the, the client before did? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, that's a great question because I think there is that time at the very beginning, you, you, you know, it's really nice if you could say, well, I only want to do this, but people don't know you. You're actually mm -hmm. invisible to the market. Mm -hmm. So you have to go out and serve everybody. And I, and I, I think that's the first thing is come, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always think that if you just come from a place of servant leadership, Mm. Meaning, what can I do uh, to make this the most incredible experience for whatever that service that the client wants? And just to remember that before you really know what you want to do, you can't say, I'll give you, for instance, when I, I just knew when back in the, and I'm just going to, I'm going to whisper this in the 60s. <laughs> In the 60s, when I started in the hairdressing industry, yeah. all the girls, most of the girls had long hair. So I figured I'm going to be a long hair specialist, but it wasn't until I got into the industry and I saw, I, I did long hair. I did some short hair. I did all of those things. And you just have to go through that before you're going to find out what is it that really pushes your buttons and, and you go, Oh damn, mm. I really like that. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that before you get to that point, if you know exactly what it is, you're going to have to go through a year or two of just serving everybody to the best of your ability and, and just make it the most incredible experience. And then what happens, you start to build your book. Once you, then, then all of a sudden you'll say, here's the p- things that, uh, that turn my crank. Mine was short hair. I just mm-hmm. wanted to do short hair alone. And I'm, I'm going to use that example, but I'm going to use a, an expression that I built my career on and I'm glad, I'll gladly share it. It's so mm-hmm. uh, broad, but so specific all at the same time. I don't care what it is that you're doing. Whenever you find that you have something that turns your crank, mm. add a touch of drama to it. Mm. I love it. Yeah, I, My philosophy is drama belongs in the hair, not in the salon. Love that. Drama belongs in the hair, not in the salon. So if, if you think about this for a second, you know, and I'm just going to, I'll do it because this has been where my back, when I discovered it was short hair, you know, medium length hair that I wanted to do. What was it? What was the little extra piece that you could put in there? What was the, the surprise when you were cutting and you saw this piece of hair sticking out? You go, oh, that looks really good. <laughs> you know, yeah. you say, well, I'm going to leave that. Even if the client says, look at how, what about this long piece? Does it blend? Does it, doesn't, does it check in with everything? And I, I would say, listen, just let's leave it to just the end of the haircut because it's looking amazing on you. I love that. And and even they would say to me, look at, well, can you, um, uh, can you cut that off? And I would say, look at, because um, I know uh, this was after it only took me as a male about 15 years to figure out that when people say, when women say, my husband doesn't like this, what they're actually saying, they, they could give a rat's bottom about what their husband think. It's what their girlfriends say. It is so true. Yeah. So, but what I've always said to them, I don't want you to look at what your husband says, but I want you to go to your girlfriends and don't say, I like this. I don't like this. Just go up and let him see your hair. Right. And when they say, oh, that looks really good. Snap. Just like that, they'll change their mind. And that's the piece that they're going to want to leave in there forever. Right. So uh, it's what's that touch of drama that you put in there? My, my good friend and, uh, and what I call my daughter, but not by birth, uh, Lori Zabel, was, uh, we were doing a program that Weggs Wefts and Pieces class. Or, I'm sorry. No, we were doing a, this a cutting class just uh, it was a few days ago. And she had to readjust her schedule to come in and fill in for somebody that wasn't there. But she had a client that traveled in and she cut her this naturally curly hair. And, mm. and, and I don't say because she was my apprentice, but because we have the same path, the same taste uh, patterns that we have. Uh, she was cutting this curly hair and on the side of the head, she just instead of cutting all this hair blunt, as you would know, if you're elevating yeah. it into, uh, into uh, horizontally and cutting it vertically and cutting it with a razor, she had this nice wave curl in her hair and she would ev- just leave every section of like every so often just leave a long piece of hair out and mm. because this curl this woman doesn't dry her hair with diffuser or anything just lets it dry on its own she would get this cloud-like effect of this beautiful shape that happened like a cloud where it was maybe based heavier and darker on the inside and then just a little lighter sprigs falling out of it mm. and, and it just looked amazing and, and it's that's the kind of drama that you're talking about so whether you do that 
in your haircut, whether it's in your long hair finish, whether it's in, if, you, if you're doing lengths and layers, what are you doing to make that one little thing a little bit more dramatic on that client so she feels super special and she doesn't feel cookie cutter when she leaves? Absolutely. Oh, it's, that's so important in anything, in anything that we do, anything like we can, anybody, I always say, you know, we're not, we're not the company for everyone. We're not, but there's some, there's a place for everyone. There's a salon for everyone. And it goes for the client too. Yeah. They can go anywhere. Right. And like get whatever they're looking for, but what are you going to do that makes them walk away thinking, wow, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. You know, I, I think cause, and you know, obviously, I mean, people, if you're, if you're listening right now, you can't see the gray hair, the gray eyelash, the gray uh, eyebrows and the gray hair, etc. But mm. I will tell you that they're there, but, and I will tell you that I admire the young kids that are building their book right now because mm. it's way harder to do than, mm -hmm. than when I did it. If you were the only person in town that was cutting hair, then, I mean, my, I was booked like literally for three, four months in advance because I was the guy in town that went to Sassoon's and so on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you doesn't, that, that doesn't mean anything anymore because people shop hairdressers, mm -hmm. you know? And so if you're building your book right now, my advice to people is what are you putting on there? You know, are you are you putting pictures of your kids and um, jokes or or a political view or mm -hmm. whatever? And then you're mixing it. So to me, you should have a personal page and you should have a professional page. Your professional page only has things that you that you profess that you need and want to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing uh, uh, color, let them see what the color is. If you're doing cutting show your show your versatility inside there because right now you know there can be uh, I'll, I'll go around and i'll look at everybody in the salon other people i'll look at their work what's on their instagram and if your work doesn't match or there's only three things on there you could be the the most talented person in the world but now sure. they're looking at that and they'll say hmm, your work's not up there you know sure. should i go to the that person or should i go to the person that who's photoshopped their work, who, you know, it, you know, they fixed all the work in, in, uh, in uh, their um, camera app. Right. I'm going to go there because they have more work and I can see more versatility. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're so right. Cause I, I mean, and, and what's your advice on that? Like, do you think that people should be starting their social media as the day that they decide that they're going to beauty school, like when is this? I would, I would do it as soon as they possibly can. Even if you, if you're in school for Lord's sake, yeah. Start your social page, take pictures of your work. You know, I mean, let's face it. Most people out there now know how to take a picture with, uh, with their camera. They they're good at that. I'd take a couple of tricks on, on where's the best lighting. You know, I mean, I, I see so many people with ring lights on everything right now, and it's not always the best light to use. So yeah. it, where's a place in your salon that's got great natural light that you can take a picture of the hair with? It's got a nice backdrop. Maybe just it's got a, you've got up a, a, a six by eight um, sheet in your 
on your salon that is your backdrop that has the uh, school salon uh, business logo on. And you're taking pictures on that and sending them out. That's whatever you can do to get people to say, see your work and take risks at what you're doing. Mm. I love it. I love that. So um, I think one last thing I would like to ask you, what is your advice to anyone thinking about getting into the beauty industry? Anyone like, it doesn't matter what age they are. Maybe they want a career change. They're like on the fence, out there, out there, kind of thinking, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I've always wanted to, but I can't, or I, I don't know how I get started. What's your advice for them? Well, there's this real simple one, and then I'll give you the explanation. Do it. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the easiest one. I mean, stop waffling about, step off. I mean, yes, I understand. Now, now the complex side is, yes, I understand. You, you might be in a job right now. You might be in a situation where you're earning earning a wage and you may have to jump out of that or have lesser wage coming in while you're getting your training, but your training is critical. So you just, just number one, do it, step off the curb, do it. And, 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 uh, and, and, and don't be afraid to just go out, experiment and do it. Now the, um, if you think about that, and I'm going to go back to what I, one that I was talking about earlier, Here's the reasons why you should do it is every other business that I know of. If you go to work in a store, you're going to get paid by the hour. Mm. If you go to work in whatever it is, you're going to say, well, I can, you know, people will say, well, I can go to McDonald's and right now they're hiring for uh, 15 or $20 an hour. Great. If that's what you want to work for, for the rest of your life, when you want to do an eight hour shift, making money for somebody else. Sure. However, you may not make eight fifteen dollars an hour for the first three six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. However, this is the only business that I know of. I, I think there's other service business you might be able to do this, where you can earn the amount of money that you want. You can earn money extra by taking in more clients, by mm-hmm. raising your skills, which raises your prices. You can earn more money by taking more things on you can take uh, you can make more money if you can work in a place that has premium pricing in other words where some of the premium places like it might be i've talked to some people that tuesdays are their best days well the that because that's uh, the busiest day just like the same thing that hotels airlines and everybody else does on that premium time prices are more Sure. So you can take, you can make more money in, in that time frame than you can. All you have to do is just apply yourself a little bit more now, mm-hmm. or once you've got that back again, if you want to go on to uh, ownership and owning your own salon, uh, going in partnership with somebody as I will, I always say the best way is become an advocate of the salon you're working in, build your book up so that uh, they don't want you to go. But when you do decide to go, they say, let's partner up and just start salon too. And then you've got systems in place for it. So I just think it's one of the professions that I would lay against other. I'm going to, I'll leave it with one story that, nice. um, and, and cause I know you, you're probably bored and everybody will be bored of listening to me. No, I want to keep talking to you. But here, I'm going to tell you about a story that I was, uh, that's when I was living in Canada and, and I had to, uh, I always started my flight. I had to uh, travel and get to 
and take an airline to Seattle. And then I would travel from Seattle. And I believe I was going to New York at that time. And um, I happened to get upgraded. And I was sitting in uh, the first row and I, I had the aisle the window seat and the gentleman next beside me, you know, we were kind of looking at one another and um, now I just keep my headphones on. I don't really want to talk to really people around me because that's just being a road warrior. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he, um, I noticed him doing some things and I was saying, so what do you do? And he said, oh, well, I'm, I'm one of the VPs of Boeing uh, Airlines and I'm going out to a plant wherever that was. Uh, to do some quality control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was postulating and telling me about everything that he did. And he said, what do you do? And I went, well, I'm a hairdresser. And, uh, and it was like the conversation came to an end. It was almost like I had a, you know, I was this leper that if he touched me or whatever, he was going to catch something. And, and it was interesting because while I didn't do it, I wanted to say to him, oh, okay, big shot. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you feel that because you're the VP of Boeing <clears throat> and making X amount of dollars per year, why don't you pull your, your income tax return mm-hmm. and I'll pull out my income tax return mm-hmm. and you sh- we should see who's afraid of touching one another. Mm. Because and that's what I'll leave these people with is that in this business, if you apply yourself and if you push yourself and you're willing to take risks and you get constant training, you can make yourself one hell of a good living. You sure can. You sure can. It's, it is the best decision that I have ever made. And, um, and I will say, I know I, all of us out here listening, every single one of us has had that moment in their life when they said what they did, I am a hairstylist, I'm a hairdresser, this is what I do for a living. And the, and the conversation back is, oh, like, it's like people don't really know what to say, but my mission is to completely change that stereotype. Exactly. And that, because you does, we all deserve um, exactly what we, what we do for everyone else. Right. We, we fill everyone yeah. else's cup up every day and, and we deserve that for ourselves as well. And the day I told my dad that this is what I wanted to do, it was like, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. Ash. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, all right, well watch me. And so now here we are 17 years later. And he really always says how proud he is of me, but Right. So like it, it just is those moments that you just, you have to believe in what you do. Yeah. Believe that this is, this is the choice I'm making and I'm going to, I made the right one for myself and, and do it, like you say, to the fullest of your, yeah. you, know. you know, Ashley, I've got a, one of my, um, I, one of we have what we call a GPS global peak performance systems where, um, myself and my business partner, Chris Moody out of the UK, we train, uh, educators, how to be better educators and how to be trainers uh, while they're teaching their profession. And Mr. Moody has mm-hmm. this great saying that I'm going to, I'm going to tell what I think, what I think that everybody in our industry needs to do. Mm-hmm. He said that he lives in an area in his town that is very professional. It's all doctors, lawyers, etc. And, and he said, what my goal is, is to take our industry 
so that when we're at a cocktail party mm. and you're with doctors, lawyers of the ilk like that, and, and, yeah. and they say, what do you do? And you can say, I'm a hairdresser. And they look at you with the same respect level as they do for their peers. And I think that's what we all need to do. And if only, and here's my wish, mm. if only that the movie industry and other industries would, you know, regardless of people's genders, re regardless of people of their thoughts, mm -hmm. if they would start to treat our industry with the respect, compassion for the skills that all of these people in our industry have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on their career because they think, yes, you went to school and yes, you had a, a college, whatever you went to college to get that. But these people have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars after mm -hmm. they get out of school to advance their training so that they can do the kind of work that makes that student makes that uh, guest sitting in their chair look amazing and on point when it comes to trends. So I take my hat off to all of those people that take that time. And I wish if I had one wish in the world, that would be to change those people's minds of how they choose to portray us. Mm. I love that. I have tears in my eyes. It's so true. I just, that feeling is like no feeling in the world where you're just, you know, when you make, when you do your job, uh, you know, when we do our job every day, we have this like special gift that we touch people in a different way. And then, you know, to be on top of the world and to be in a situation where you just don't feel like you're, gosh, I guess, you know, I don't feel like I'm good enough or I'm not, I get, maybe I'm not as, as important as they are. Well, guess what? You are so important. And those movies, like we, we make those people look good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking good because we They're are who we good. are. That's so true. Oh my goodness. Well, Ashley, I, I want to do one thing for all the listeners that are out there. Yes. Listen, uh, we, we've been talking, talking, and we're, thank you for allowing me to just talk a little bit about uh, the associate training program. And that's some one thing that's very near and dear to my heart. Absolutely. And so if, uh, if people want to write this down is B I T dot L Y slash trainers playbook trainers yeah. playbook. It's B I T dot L Y slash trainers playbook and that will take you on to um, where the associate program is and here's what I want to do for each and every one of you if you type there's a code that they have in there and if you type in 3030 and free it'll allow you to have 30 days of free training within mm -hmm. that uh, associate training program just so that you can check it out. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's bit.ly slash trainers playbook. I'm going to link that into, into the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. I, oh my gosh, I truly appreciate it. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I thank guess. you so much for doing this with me today. It was a pleasure. Oh, it was a pleasure. 
I hope that we get to do this again and continue talking. This is awesome. Anytime. Oh, well, Chris, have a fantastic day. Enjoy the it. I hope it's nice and sunny out. Uh, right now, I'm in the dungeons of my um, of my <laughs> house, but it is it's going up. I think to 104 here today. Oh, so, oh uh, but that we we to me is like 72 is uh, is freezing. So, oh. you know, well, then you're all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy your day and okay. thank you. Thank you, Ashley. I'll see you. Cheers. Bye. Oh, wasn't that so good, guys? Oh my goodness. Definitely check out his program, the Accelerated Program. Oh my gosh, I'm just so blown away with all the different options that he gives our industry. And so definitely check it out. How generous is that with the code to try it for 30 days? I mean, just so amazing. So listen in to more episodes to come. We certainly will continue our conversations and bringing different stories and different journeys your way so you guys can listen to more of what the beauty industry has to offer. And I hope that everyone is staying well and continues to stay connected.